Hello, welcome back. Today, I'm very happy to be talking to Dr. Adam Leventhal, Director of the Institute for Addiction Science at the University of Southern California. Dr. Leventhal will talk to us about the convergence of two public health crises, the COVID-19 pandemic and substance use disorders. Thank you for joining us, Dr. Leventhal. Sure, my pleasure. Great, let's begin. So how has the COVID-19 pandemic affected the rates of substance use disorders and overdose deaths? Good question. It's uh, It depends on the substance and the group of people you're talking about. So overdose deaths has increased during the pandemic. And like uh, the addiction epidemic in general, before COVID-19, the uh, this crisis of overdose disproportionately affects uh, underserved communities. So that's a big problem. Um, and there's multiple reasons for that, that, uh, you know, each deserve a deeper dive, both chronically and also in terms of what's happening in the COVID pandemic. On the other hand, I think you have other addictions like nicotine and tobacco, where if anything, we're seeing a reduction in the overall prevalence of use, uh, including amongst youth. So one area I study is, is nicotine vaping. And, and so, you know, part of that may be just if you're sequestered in your house with your parents and you don't have less time to spend with your friends out and about, then you're probably not vaping uh, or less likely to be vaping or using other tobacco products. And then in terms of adults, some initial data that we're looking at shows that it's potentially stable or maybe a smidge of a reduction. And then alcohol, you know, this is one of the things where it depends on who you are. For some people, they're reporting that they're drinking less because they're less out in social settings, kind of similar to the phenomenon that we might see amongst adolescents. But then there's other people who maybe were drinking more heavily at the beginning of the pandemic, like prior to the beginning of the pandemic. And they, there's some evidence that they have escalated their use. So it's really had a, a unique impact um, that we can't just quantify with one metric on the addiction epidemic. So you've touched on this a little bit, but are there specific populations at risk for developing substance use disorders during the pandemic? I'm not sure exactly what the evidence shows um, because everything's all new, right? And so there's not a ton of studies yet, but I think we can make some assumptions and, or we can have some populations that we're concerned about. And I think these are, well, first of all, populations who are already using at the beginning of the pandemic, the stress, potential loss of job, other types of life disruptions because of the pandemic, and of course, potentially losing a friend or a family member uh, to COVID-19. Those are the types of groups I think that maybe have been hit hardest. And what goes along with that is, you know, low-income communities and I have to look at the data, which I haven't admittedly uh, recently, but populations disproportionately affected by addictions, Alaskan, Native, American Indian populations, for some substances, Black and African American, LGBTQ populations, uh, you know, so those are the ones that historically have been disproportionately impacted by addiction over time and who we would be concerned about, particularly uh, moving forward in this high-stress environment. Do people with substance use disorders have a greater risk of contracting COVID-19 and or having worse health outcomes from COVID-19 infection? That's a good question. So I can tell you a little bit about what the concerns are. I think 
In terms of smoking, the answer is if you have lung dysfunction due to smoking, which most chronic smokers do, uh, and then I'm talking about smoking cigarettes, but this may generalize to smoking other substances. If you get COVID, you're at greater risk of having a more severe case. So I'm fairly sure that's that's established. In terms of using other substances, there's some like biological hypotheses that the effects on the immune system of certain drugs of abuse or the cardiovascular system could potentially leave you more vulnerable once you get COVID. Um, the idea of like potentially contracting COVID more, I'm not too sure about that. If there is, I think probably one of the issues is there's just the life circumstances and, and the social determinants of health and the environment that people with substance use disorders face, you know, would potentially put them at risk for catching COVID and maybe having worse outcomes, not anything related to the biological effects of the substances in and of themselves beyond what I kind of just talked about. That's probably a more salient factor that comes into play, you know, getting tested and getting early care and hospitalization before the disease progresses. I think those are some of the key issues. And what other unique challenges does the COVID-19 pandemic present for people with substance use disorders? There's just like uh, everybody accessing treatment, general care was challenging at the beginning of the pandemic. It's, I think we figured out a few things, but you know, for people in substance use recovery or wanting to, to get themselves into recovery, it could be challenging doing your AA mood meetings on Zoom. And I think that recovery communities done a great job doing that and, and reaching out to people. And in some ways that, you know, that we might be reaching more populations that we wouldn't normally reach because of the um, Zoomification of life. And that extends to aspects of healthcare, including 12-step programs, which are play a key role. But then, you know, there's other people who uh, they like in person. So I think that it's a mixed bag. And I think the government made some positive steps too about opioid medications, uh, medications for opioid use disorder and some deregulation of that during the pandemic to um, help with access, um, which was initially a challenge. And that potentially could be, if it stays, or some of the things that we learned in the pandemic, the long-term outcomes on, in some respects will be better, right? But I think treatment is a, is a really a big problem and big mixed bag, I think, for people in recovery during the pandemic. In addition to the ones you've already mentioned, uh, what measures have been implemented to address some of these challenges? I'm thinking out loud here. Uh, I don't think, I'm sure that there's some other things. There might be some public health messaging that might be out there. Yeah. yeah I, I'm not too sure. And I think one of the other things that's a concern is, you know, there was like, in terms of awareness of addiction, the addiction crisis, especially with overdose and opioids you know, it was actually increasing and, you know, it took a long time for that to happen for public awareness of this problem because the pandemic is such a massive problem too. It's, you know, there can be a crowding, I guess, of people's attention on public health issues. So I think that's another, that's more of another concern in, in way, like how do we make sure that awareness of this issue, which continues to kill people 
you know, and much higher rates than COVID when you take into account like all the different addictions, overdose and, you know, alcohol related diseases, tobacco related diseases. And, you know, so COVID is a, it's a critical crisis, but, you know, it's, it's important to kind of keep an eye on these longstanding endemics like it, like addiction. So do you have any ideas on what else could be done to improve health outcomes for people who struggle with addiction during this time? There's a lot of things that just were already relevant, which just continue to stay relevant. And the barriers we had, so, you know, getting medications out there, you, you might've covered this in your other episodes, Ahana, but, um, you know, there's effective medications for opioid use disorder that are potentially life-saving and preventing overdose. And, and so figuring out ways to get those out to more people. Um, of course, there's the overdose reversal drugs like naloxone. And so if we can reduce, uh, lower the bar to make it easier to get them, that's important. And, you know, earlier in this episode, we talked about, you know, 12-step programs like uh, Alcoholics Anonymous. And so making those as accessible as possible and is also kind of integrated with mainstream healthcare so that you have physicians and other healthcare professionals recognizing the effectiveness of these programs. And, you know, they're not for everybody, but they are evidence-based, you know, along with other types of programs. And I think related to this is just a despecialization of addiction medicine and addiction service so that it's like, it's historically has been partitioned off in its own branch of healthcare, sometimes even, uh, like very, very partitioned off. Right. And then some, you know, sometimes you see it integrated, I shouldn't say sometimes, but being part of, of psychiatry and mental health care, we're seeing that now and the, the, the broader term behavioral health to address, you know, emotional, psychological and substance use disorders. They're all kind of the same umbrella. And so, and I'm betting there, but I think there's also a movement towards addiction medicine where, all sorts of different specialties, whether it's internal medicine, family medicine, emergency medicine, and, you know, and, and particularly psychiatrists too. And, you know, this speaks to other nurses, occupational therapists, um, that you, you offer addiction treatment as a touch point, at least at some level in as many settings as possible. And by doing that and broadening the system of healthcare practice, I mean, that's, that's how it's going to do it. That's, that's how we are going to do a better job managing this problem because addiction is arguably the biggest public health and social problem that exists in the world. When you put together overdoses, of course, the opioid crisis, you have the tobacco related diseases, the number one cause of preventable death, you know, lung cancer, cardiovascular disease, heart disease, strokes, all these different diabetes. These are all caused by smoking in part. And then, you know, you have alcohol related liver disease and alcohol related accidents, fatalities, you know, car crashes, and then you have food. So broadening it out and food addiction is increasingly recognized as, as an issue. And that plays a role in obesity and all the potential problems from obesity. And I like to add on digital media addiction as well. There's some evidence that it doesn't have the best impact on your mental health in high doses. You take all that, right? And then you also think about all the other after effects it has, like on the, the social welfare system, the legal system. There, it's just it's such a big problem. And it has so many tentacles. Really an all hands on deck approach, I think, 
it warrants it, right? Yeah. Um, and finally, is there anything else you'd like to add? Uh, I think that was, I just took liberty, right? <laughs> just, I guess I can add to the fact that at the University of Southern California, we have an Institute for Addiction Science, which is really aligned with that approach that I was just explaining that it's such a massive problem that we need an all hands on deck approach. And the thing is, there's so many different fields where addiction is important. You have social work, you have psychology, you have policy, you have public health, pharmacy, all the different branches of medicine, sociology, even cinema, like addiction kind of cuts across all these various aspects of um, advancement of knowledge. So yeah, yeah, I, I, I guess I would like to encourage people out there who are interested in, in addiction in various fields to make it a priority and study in that area. Thank you again, Dr. Leventhal, for joining us. And I hope we can have you back again soon. <laughs>